Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome one and all to the Storybox podcast, the place to be if you are a lover of stories. My name is Jay Phantom, former real estate agent now, living my purpose, sharing amazing stories from people all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Storybox podcast. Today, my friends, I am thrilled to have uh, Nathan Chan, the CEO of Founder Magazine on the Storybox today. Nathan doesn't just work. He builds incredible teams and businesses for fun. Nathan is on a mission to build a household name, an entrepreneurial brand that impacts tens of millions of people on a weekly basis with their content and millions of students on their online business school of the future at Founder Magazine. He believes that life is too short to do work that you hate. And with a passion for entrepreneurship and people, he created Founder, a global media and education company that produces magazines, books, and online courses for entrepreneurs. Millions of people consume Founder's content every single month, and the magazine covers have been blessed by the likes of Tony Robbins, Richard Branson, Ariana Huffington, Tim Ferriss, Mark Cuban, Jack Dorsey, and so many more. Not only does Nathan love connecting with leading entrepreneurs and readers, but it's also a great it's also great to be part of a disruptive industry that he is in and learn what it takes to create a top-ranking magazine and fast-growth online media and education company. Founder at the moment is at an exciting stage of growth with things about to go to the next level and really explode. Nathan and I have a a great conversation that I know you guys are really going to love. What it takes to actually start from ground zero and build Founder. And on social media, they've got millions of people following them. They've got millions of readers, but didn't start out like that. Nathan is so uh, personable. He's so approachable. Uh, and he's so humble at the same time. I mean, I reached out to this man way back at the beginning of the year and he said, Jay, contact me around um, September, October. So I did that and we were able to connect and have this great conversation. And you're going to hear in the interview um, that Nathan said the reason why he went on my podcast in the first place was because I followed up. Now, for all those people that are listening right now that you're trying to build a business or a brand or whatever, that is one of the biggest things. Make sure that you follow up. You keep a uh, list. You're persistent. I speak about it all the time. And in this conversation, you're going to hear a lot about it. Uh, So thank you, Nathan, uh, for your generosity and your kindness as well. Uh, Everyone, if you do get something from this, please do me a huge favor and also Nathan a favor. Uh, share it around to your friends and your family. Let them know uh, what you think of this episode. Also, uh, you can also let us know what you think of this episode by leaving a rating and review over on our podcast. That would go and be very, very helpful to building my community or the Storybox community. So with that being said, my friends, you know what time it is. It's time to dive into the Storybox and hear the kind and humble story of Nathan Chan. Oh, mate, thanks so much for having me, Jay. It's an absolute pleasure. Pleasure's all mine, my friend. Before we dive into, I guess, your backstory, why you do what you do, and I guess the better question would be how you do it. <laughs> um, I have one question that I genuinely love asking people to start things off, which is 
What does success look like to you? Um, success uh, to me looks like just doing work that you enjoy uh, and being able to have the freedom to, to do the work you enjoy and uh, just live a good life, mm. good fulfilled life. Where did you come up with your version of success? Was there like a, a, a catalyst moment for you or has this been like a gradual thing over time? Um, I think it's been a gradual thing over time. Like for me, uh, I didn't think that I would get into entrepreneurship or start a business or anything like that. Um, I just kind of fell into it and um, I fell into it because uh, really about I wanted to find work that I was passionate about. So um, I think when you're early, you know, your early days of high school, you kind of pushed towards you know, choosing what you want to do for the rest of your life. And it's just absolutely ridiculous because you're at an age where you don't really know who you are and you're still starting to get to know yourself and who you are. And um, until you really do that and work out who you are and, and what you want to do with your life, um, it's very difficult to choose a path. And, you know, we spend most of our uh, life working you know, a big proportion of our life working. So for me, and it's, you know, the work that you do has a direct impact of your overall life, right? Like, you know, the choices that you can make. So, um, yeah, for me, I, I kind of got pushed in a corner. Um, I stuck to my strengths, you know, followed a, a traditional pathway and, and it was just not fulfilling for me. So, um, you know, as, as time went on, I really kind of start to think about, you know, you've only got one shot. How do you, you know, spend time, the time that you have doing things that you enjoy, right? So that's kind of just something that was developed over time. You mentioned there your strengths. Um, I'm curious, what were they and are they still your strengths today or have you adopted new strengths into your life? Yeah, when I say my strengths, I would say my strengths in academia. So, um, you know, uh, the subjects that I did well at were IT, and uh, business management, um, both of those, they have nothing to do with real world skills around business or IT. Uh, but yeah, like academically, I was quite good at that. So I went down a pathway of doing a, a business information systems degree and then off you go, right? Like that's that's my life. Like that, my career, everything I'm going to do for a big part of my life now till I'm 60 is boxed off. And um yeah, that, that was, yeah, those were my strengths. So did you end up getting a job in IT and working for, how long were you working in this particular job? So I finished my degree when I was 22, I think. Yeah, 22. Then I went and got a job at an accounting firm in IT support. At first it was an internship, so it was part of my degree. And then I, they offered me to stay on full time. So I stayed on full time there. And then, uh, yeah, I went, went, did this awesome life changing trip to Europe, did like, you know, the Australian dream, did a Kentucky tour. You're a fellow Australian, so you know how it is. Yep. Um, traveled around Europe for like three months. And then, yeah, realized I didn't want to, like, it was pretty life changing. I realized I didn't want to do what I was doing and wanted to go back and find another job. So I got another job at a, doing IT support at a, a big travel company, an adventure travel company, and the idea was to move into marketing. So I went back to university. Um, so, yeah, I spent a few years at that travel company as well, probably about three years. Yeah. And how old were you when you decided to go study marketing and, and go do all that? Yeah, so I must have been 23. About Yeah, I was around 23, 24. Um, so I went, yeah, I went back and did a master's in marketing part-time uh, while I was working at Intrepid Travel doing IT support. And you finished that degree? Yep, yep, finished it, finished it in two years and or two, two years or two and a half years and then I started to look for a job in marketing and, um, yeah, couldn't get a job in marketing. No one gave me a job. Like I was really hungry, went for three different roles at Intrepid. I went for some external roles as well. And, uh, yeah, just, just no one would give me a crack. And that's kind of like 
how I said at the start of this, this conversation, like I kind of just fell into entrepreneurship, like I just fell into it because I was trying to find work that I enjoyed. And um, I remember I went for like this marketing role at this agency and like, you know, like I, I like oh, I, I asked the person for feedback and they said, yeah, here's my phone number, give me a call for like five minutes. And I asked them, you know, like, what do I got to do to get a job in marketing? And they're like, look, I, one thing that I think would be interesting is if, you know, if someone created their own website or they just showed that they really are hungry and they're interested in this stuff. So I started um, looking into online marketing and meshing my passion for technology with marketing and um, I stumbled across uh at the time, it was this thing called the 30-Day Challenge, which taught you how to make your first dollar online, and it teaches you everything you need to know about online marketing. It was a free 30-Day Challenge. But, um, yeah, it kind of took me down this path of, um, yeah, what would that look like and all these different things. And then um, from following the person that ran this this 30-Day Challenge, he uh, created this software that off-the-shelf software that that, uh, that that gave you the capability to create your own digital magazine on the App Store and Google Play Store. And I thought that was a fantastic idea and I thought, oh, like I can really flex my skills here because I can like create this magazine and whatever, right? And then I was like, at first it was going to be about horse racing because um, one of my best mates is a horse racing journalist and um, he's a presenter on racing.com every day. And we, I was living with him at the time and and, we, and he was going to do um, all the content and I was going to do the tech and, and the marketing. And uh, we were going to do that. And uh, then, yeah, he got a full-time job at racing.com and he couldn't do anything on the side. So, um, yeah, basically uh, scrapped that idea and then I was looking into, you know, entrepreneurship and I thought that was a really interesting space. So during that time when I was working on the magazine and even launching it, I remember even taking the magazine, which was founder, um, to job interviews. So, like, I, I'm not like most people where they're like, oh, I want to start a business and, like, they dream up this idea and then they're working on this business. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was the most naive per- naive person you could ever imagine um, and different intentions, you know. Mm. Do you think that naivety was a good thing, though? Yeah, 110% because I didn't overthink things, which I think um, oftentimes people like get in their own head and they want it to be perfect and all these different things. I just, I just went with it, man. Like I was just so frustrated um, with the work that I was doing. I just, I just needed to change. And it was forming a part of my identity that I didn't like. I didn't like that I was someone that, that was like, working in IT support and I wasn't proud of the work I was doing. I wasn't proud of my career path. Um, I wasn't proud that I was like excited about like what got me out of bed, you know? And I think that's so important um, in life, right? Like I said, you spend most of your life working um, or be part of it. Like I think it's so critical that you do the work that you enjoy. Oh, absolutely, man. Like I'm curious to know why, weren't you excited to go to work because you had studied for such a long time, you'd done all this hard work to get a job in the first place, but yet you weren't happy. So why do you think that was? So it wasn't fun. Like mm. it just it just didn't fulfill me. And it's like one of those hard things to describe, but you just when you know, you know, right? Like some people they struggle finding their passion or purpose. Or they say, you know, like how, how do I find out you know, what my purpose is or how do I find out, you know, and I've got friends, probably you do too, that like they might be not loving what they do and and they're stuck, right? And they and they want to work out what this, what their next move is and you don't really know, right, until you try things. But once you try something and then you find it, you're just like, you just know, you know, and um, it's just something that lights you up. So for me, um, you know, when I launched Founder, I didn't know, like, what was going on. Like I said, I was taking, I was literally taking the magazine to job interviews, right? Like that's how naive I was. I just literally thought it might be like a little side hobby project or whatever, right? That's what it started as a passion project, not this big media education, kind of like nothing of the sort, right? I didn't think about raising capital, didn't think about anything. And um, I just fell in love with the process. I fell in love with the space. And, uh, you know, I, I remember after the first interview I did for the magazine, I was so nervous. I remember saying to my partner and now fiance, I remember saying like, you know, 
um, I was so nervous, but I realised at that at that moment after that interview, like I was loving it so much. This is what I was born to do. So, um, yeah, it's stuff like that. You know, it, it sounds a bit woo woo, but um, no, I completely, yeah. I completely relate to you on that on that front, man. Like I was in real estate last year for seven, eight months. And I was good at it, man. Like I thought my my career path was going to be that way. That way, and it was sort of like I fell into it. Like I didn't see myself being a real estate agent. Uh, I had done so many other career uh, things before even going into real estate. I sort of just applied and it was like almost this, this chance. I didn't have any experience. I didn't have any credentials, nothing. Didn't know a thing about real estate. And someone gave me a, a chance to really prove myself. And I was literally on the first day thrown in the deep end of, it was almost like sink or swim. And I was sinking for such a long time. But then I, it sort of like clicked in my head. I'm like, sinking is good. I'm okay. Uh, I'm not drowning. I'm sinking and I'm climbing ever so close, ever so closer to the to swimming to the top. And I love that process of just constantly climbing, man. And that's where I came up with my, my number one philosophy in life, which is be persistent to remain consistent at the things that you want. And I realized at the end of me leaving real estate and going and looking, going and, um, applying for so many other jobs here in Sydney and just not being satisfied, not being happy. And very much like you, man, I can go to my very first interview that I ever did. I was super nervous or even better still, like my first, I would say, big social media presence. Someone had 9,000 something followers, but he was a big name in the real estate business with McGrath. And um, I was just like, I was astounded that anyone would want to give me the, the time or day. And I remember sitting down with him for 20 minutes, just having a conversation, just being shaking in my boots as the saying goes and not really knowing how to navigate the conversation, but he was so kind, so present and so gentle. And I really, really loved that. But when I went home, very much like you, man, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to share stories that, I, that change people's lives, man. And what I'm curious about for you is when you went into these offices with Founder Magazine, what were people saying to you? Um, so I took it to two job interviews. Uh, first one was an internal job um, at, at Intrepid, and I spoke to a market, one of the marketing managers there, and, you know, she said what I'm doing is really impressive. Um, well, she found it impressive, but... Yeah, like I didn't get the job. Um, they gave it to someone else internally at the company that um, was perhaps more, from their view, suited for the role. Um, and then I went for a job with ASOP um, as like a junior marketing role. Um, and, yeah, they were quite impressed too. But um, the feedback they gave me is I didn't know enough about the company which, you know what, that was fair enough. I didn't know enough. When they asked me, I didn't answer the best and didn't answer as well as I could have, so I should have done more research on the company. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's how I stuffed that one up. But, yeah, that, that, that's what I remember. You live and you learn from your mistakes, don't you? Like, yep. One of the very best things uh, in life is what I learned was Whenever I failed, I learned the best, one of the best lessons ever, which is in failure, you learn humility. Like it's one of the most important lessons a person can learn because we oftentimes we can, if we have like this one little bit of success, we can feel like we're too proud. We're better than somebody else. But I think that when you sort of realize every single day that you aren't better than anybody else, it's only your work that really distinguishes between uh, anything else under the surface, man, you're all skin and bone and blood, all that. So the only thing that can really change you and even in light of eternity, like if you have the drive, if you have the mindset, then you can go and achieve similar things or if not uh, make it different, but make it better. You have that opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Nathan, for, for you and not getting the job, when was the moment that you realized, hang on a minute, I can make Founder a full-time thing and I can start earning money? When was that moment? Um, 
probably after the first couple of months. So the first day I launched the magazine, we made $5.50 and had two subscribers. And then at the end of the month, we made $80. And then I was like, oh, wow, like coming into the next month, I was like, geez, I've got to launch the next magazine edition. I've actually got subscribers and like, I don't want to let people down because that's really important to me, right? Like someone's paying you for something and you don't deliver and you're selling a monthly magazine subscription. Like there's no way I'd ever let that person down, even if I don't know them, right? So um, even if it was a side hobby passion project, even if I didn't know where it would go and that thought of not letting people down is what's kept me going and like, you know, seven years later we still publish a new magazine every single month, right? Um, so it was a combination of like I, I had a, I had made a, a financial commitment to others because they were giving money no matter how small. That was the first thing that kept me going. But then the realisation that it could be a full-time job was this beautiful thing called recurring revenue, which uh you know, it, it's a subscription and it just kept going up, right? The second month, it went from $80 to like $200 a month. And then the third month, it went from $200 to like $350 a month. And I'm just like, wow, well, look, if I keep applying myself, I can keep building this thing. Um, now, I did have some roadblocks along the way uh, in the first four months. Um, we got an interview with Richard Branson uh, for a front cover story, but at the same time we were sued for trademark infringement. So the magazine, the magazine wasn't called Founder at the time; it was called something else. Um, and I uh, ended up changing the name of the magazine to Founder. Um, so that was an interesting, uh, like stumbling block, but recovered, kept moving, and um, yeah. After about after I finished up that lawsuit stuff. Um, which lasted for a couple of months and, you know, kept back on the train, um, which we, yeah, we made up for. Like we missed, we, we, for six weeks we didn't publish a magazine and then on the sixth or seventh, so we launched two magazines in one month, so we made up for that. But, um, yeah, after that then, like, yeah, for me it was just a matter of time. Like, and I, and I started hanging out with people. Like I was really hardcore networking and I was going to local entrepreneurial events in Melbourne or meetups and I was I was meeting people and networking like crazy and and I was meeting people that were doing all sorts of things full time that, that you know, was, was entrepreneurial. And what happened was my mindset started to shift where it wasn't uh, imagine if or I wonder if, it was like um, when, it's like when is this going to happen? Like I knew and like your mindset can play tricks on you, right, but it's so powerful. If you if you really believe that you can do something, then that's 50% of the battle, like, mo like most of it's won. If, you, if, if, you, if in your mind it's done, and that's what happened, my mindset started changing. It wasn't a matter of if anymore, it was a matter of when. And once that clicked on, like, yeah, then I knew that, like, I was onto something. And, and, you know, I was getting really good feedback for the magazine as well, and, yeah. What would you say has been the hardest thing about running Founder, like the day-to-day rituals and, and routines that you've implemented, what would you say is, has been the hardest thing? Well, tricky question. There's a lot of hard things when it comes to running a business. Um, if you were to break especially it, for What's that? If you were to break it all down and you were to look at the one thing that sort of gives you the most pressure, the most anxiety, most stress, and that becomes the hardest thing, what would that be? I reckon, yep, all right, good reframe. Uh, I think it would be the responsibility that I have um, for everyone that works at the company, right? Like we've got a lot of expenses, man. Like we're, we're making moves, right? Like we haven't raised any venture capital, but we sacrifice majority of profit for growth and, yeah, we're making moves, right? So we hire a lot of people. We're doing a lot of stuff, right? Like we've got... 
over 40 people, could be close to 50 by the end of this year. A wow. uh, lot, lot of expenses, a lot of costs. Office here in Melbourne that could fit 70, 60, 70 people. Office in New York could fit 12, 15 people. Like we're making moves, man. So so that's pretty scary. Like that, that's probably one of the hardest things, making sure that your um, business continues to grow, you know, like you you're keeping your team happy, you're meeting their expectations, um, you know, because, you know, you've got a responsibility to for someone's career as well and making sure they're getting good opportunities, making sure they're being looked after, making sure like, you know, we're being competitive um, across all sorts of areas, right? So I reckon that's, that's probably one of the hardest things. Um, yeah. It's mm, a good answer, man. What would you say is the key to leadership, key to leading a team that size? Uh, having a good coach uh, so and learning how to be a good CEO. So from my experience, um, you know, when it comes to scaling a company, right, the, one of the fastest ways you can do it is learning from others that have done it. Um, but not just like a conversation like we're having, like actually get proper advisors or proper coaches at a like a proper coaching environment where you're catching up with someone on a regular basis. They're constantly challenging you and pushing you and giving you feedback and they're helping you problem solve quite frequently. Um, not just like a, a random call with the person on clarity, like, like legit, like coaching or advisory. Um, that's, that's, that's one of the best ways I've found to, to level up as a leader. Um, and then, you know, I'm a big fan of more than ever now reading books about leadership and management. Um, you know, there's some incredible people that have done some amazing things and they write these amazing books where they just like impart all their principles, all their wisdoms, all their lessons, all their experiences. And you can take some of that, you know, you don't have to take it all, but you can take bits and pieces that are relevant to you and you just apply them. So, um, yeah, I think I think when it comes to, to leadership, it's it's yeah really about learning from from other great leaders and getting coaching and advisory. Mm. I like that, man. It's so true, isn't it? Um, I I'm curious to know who has made the biggest impact in your life, whether it's spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. Who has it been? tricky one because I've been very lucky to, to be surrounded by really incredible people throughout my journey um, before Founder 2, not over, not even during Founder. Uh, probably, look, probably my mum, right? Like if we're getting like real, like um, I have a lot of respect for my mum. She's taught me everything I know a lot. Um, and she's taught me some really good principles around how to approach life, right? Like that's probably what who's had the biggest impact. Um, in regards to kind of, I guess, uh, like professionally, um, I would say uh, one of uh, my advisors, Steve McLeod. Um, I've been, yeah, he's been an advisor of mine for three years and, and also founder and the founder team at large for three years now. Um, that's been incredible. And then, yeah, there was a guy that I met on the train uh, before I started founder. Um, I talked about this with Tom Bilyeu from Impact Theory. Wow. But, um, yeah, he... When I when I was like a bit younger, so like in my early twenties, so let's just say 22, 23, um, I didn't identify, and it might sound weird, but I didn't identify or see myself as a very masculine man. Like I'm not very tall. Um, I'm a bit a bit bit feminine in in many ways. Like I like I used to like fashion and all sorts of things. Um, I don't really like contact sports stuff like that. But in, like I, I'm a bit of a blokey bloke. Like I love having beers with the boys and, you know, getting loose and shit, shit like that. But, like, yeah, I, I felt inside me that there was something missing or I just, yeah, so I didn't feel like a, a masculine man um, or I didn't identify. Yeah, when I say identify as a man, that doesn't mean I was looking for a sex change or anything like that. But, like, yeah, maybe you want to edit that out. <laughs> but 
Um, like, yeah, people are very people are very sensitive nowadays. That's all. So, look. Um, anyways, I started reading these books on masculinity and stuff like that. And I was reading this awesome book called The Way of the Superior Man, like next level book by David Data. And um, I was reading it while I was on the train. And, uh, yeah, like um, like this guy, when I got off at the, the station that I was at, he, he walked up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and was like, oh, hey, I saw you reading that book. Um, it's really good. If you're interested in this kind of men's work kind of stuff, you should check out uh, this other book called Fire in the Belly. And I was like, oh, awesome. Thanks so much for the tip. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm Nathan, by the way. Like, what, what do you do with yourself? He's an old kind of dude, probably in his 40s or 50s. And uh, he said, oh, look, my name's Tony. Um, I, and he said, I, I work at Connex at the time. That was um, before, yeah, like Connex used to be, used to run all the train lines and stuff. And and then um, and then he said, yeah, look, I'm, I work pretty high up in the leadership team at Connex, but my real passion is actually helping people find their life purpose. And he gave me his card. And uh, I left that card on my desk at home for like four or five months and I just kept looking at it. And in the end, I actually reached out to him and I said, look, I, I was at a point in my life where I was really stuck. And um, I reached out to him and, uh, yeah, he... Um, yeah, he really helped me. We did like like uh, some coaching and all sorts of things. We used to catch up at our local library because we used to live not far from each other. And like we did like coaching sessions and he got me to do all this homework and like it was next level stuff, man. And uh, it really, really helped me put me on this path to wanting to find a job in marketing to then starting founder. And I did a lot of work on myself, man, like really understanding who I was as a person, what I wanted and developing and cultivating presence um, and, and this idea of being present and, and being in tune with my gut, my feelings, my emotions and, and looking at things in a different way than I was looking at them. And, it, and, it, and it, it, it helped me tremendously. And I use some of these tools, right, um, you know, even to this day. I like that, man. Sorry, the dog was... Barking in the background there. <laughs> All good. Um, one one question that I've always been curious about asking you, oh, there, there's a dog, <laughs> um, is what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, man, these questions, questions are hard, dude, because I just, <laughs> I just don't know. Like I speak to so many people, like it's not like, I go, oh, that was shit advice. I'm going to hold on to that and then I'm going to remember it to recall it. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe can we rephrase that question? Oh, I can give you something, but I just don't know if it's the worst. Uh, I don't know. Um, I love this question because oftentimes for some people it does stump them, but I like asking it because oftentimes the worst piece of advice can end up being the best piece of advice. Mm. So has there been something that someone has said to you that sort of you thought at the time was bad, but then it ended up being great advice in the end? Has it been a moment like that? Mm. If not, that's fine. I'll move on to another question. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. Sorry, brother. I, I don't know, man. I want to give you a good answer. I've got nothing. It's all good, Drawing man. Blanks. You, might, you can send me an email <laughs> later on. Here's my answer. <laughs> like, yes. Um, but what, what advice would you give to a young person that wants to start their own business, wants to uh, make moves, make their own moves in this space, which is a heavily saturated uh, market for entrepreneurs. Like it's almost like this celebrity uh, status now to be called an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. What advice would you give to a young person that is sort of afraid to take that leap? Yeah. So they want to start a business. They want to, you know, do something entrepreneurial. Um, I think from my experience, there's kind of, 
there's a couple of reasons um, or there's a couple of things that definitely hold people up that they want to start. Um, there's a lot of people that like the idea of starting a business because, like you said, it's like the new cool, right? Yeah. If you're, you've got a startup, you run a business, like you've got an online business, you're like cool, right? It's like a status thing now. Um, and, every, and, you know, Instagram and the Lambos and all this rubbish, right? Like that's not like what entrepreneurship is, but it is it can be perceived that way through a different lens, right? So I think the first thing is if, you, if you're if you a young entrepreneur or you, you're a young aspiring entrepreneur, I think what's key is just getting very, very clear on the kind of like business you want to build because I think so often people have these crazy ideas and these outlandish ideas and it's cool and exciting. I would say look at the model first. Like you've kind of got a few paths. You can build a software business. You can build a, you know, you can build a tech business. Uh, you can build a software tech business or or you can build a e-commerce business or you could start a blog or you could do freelancing and start an agency with your skills um, or you could start a local brick and mortar business. But you really need to look at the model first, not the idea. Um, and the reason I say that, and it, you know, it's not something that people often think about is because depending on the model that you choose depends on how much money it's going to cost to create it, right? And I think a lot of people start with the idea first and a lot of young aspiring entrepreneurs start with the idea first and it's not necessarily that smart because then they commit to this idea and they're like, oh, I've want, I want to build this app, right? And it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars in development, and then they don't do anything and then they use it as an excuse and then they say, I don't have enough capital or I don't think I have a good enough idea and all these ideas. So I think think about the model first. Um, there's a few different types of online business models and, yeah, you, you really got to think about the model first. And once you work out what the model is, you want to look at people that are succeeding in that model. So at Founder, we try and interview and showcase people doing all sorts of different models, whether it is online in the online education space, whether it's how you have an agency, whether it's you have a software business, whether it's you have an e-commerce business, whether it's a brick and mortar business, whether it's a franchise, doesn't matter. Um, but start looking at people and seeing if you can find somebody that is succeeding with that particular model or that vertical and look at what their customer acquisition channels are. Look and find out, listen to every single podcast or interview they've done and find out, you know, how they started, find out what, what you know, held them up in the early days and then try and connect or find someone that can teach you or, or where you can learn this kind of stuff because only then will you really know that's what you want to do, right? Um, or you'll get a, a much stronger taste of it and then you just got to start, you know, like you just, you just got to let go of that fear of failure because that's the next thing that really holds people up is, is this fear of failure, this saying, oh, I don't have a good enough idea yet, or I haven't stumbled across a good enough idea. Um, and I think that comes back to wanting it bad enough, right? Where does the fear of failure come from? It comes back to wanting it bad enough. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that are comfortable. They like the idea of starting a business. They are attracted to how cool it looks and the status perhaps of having an online business, but they don't want it bad enough. Um, and I think the more that you can cultivate that hunger, the better off you will be. Um, I, it, it can't, I don't think that hunger can just be given to you. I think you have to experience some form of adversity. That's something that Tony Robbins taught me when I interviewed him. Um, that that hunger, that that just wanting it bad enough, you have to form, you have to experience some form of adversity. That doesn't mean something terrible happens in your life, but you have to take a couple of hits, I reckon, in some way, shape, or form, where you have to just have had enough. And that's where my hunger comes from, right? My hunger comes from the fact that I was just so sick and tired of just walking around like, you know, at, at like the companies that I was at and just people thinking I was an absolute idiot, like, you know, 
Uh, people call me up saying, hey, Nathan, can you reset my password? Or, hey, Nathan, my mouse doesn't work. And then I have to crawl under their desk and plug it in and out. I can just feel and look like a fucking idiot. Um, like, I just couldn't take that shit anymore, man. Like, I just – and I'm not saying it's degrading work, but for me it wasn't fulfilling, right? I know that, like, you know, I'm not knocking IT support, but for me it just wasn't fulfilling. I felt and thought that I could do so much more, Um and it just wasn't fulfilling for me. So that's where, for me, yeah, I just had enough. I couldn't take it anymore, bro. Like, that was it. I just snapped and I just had to make a change. I refused to, you know, like, uh, just, just commit to that, that for the rest of my life. Yeah, something similar happened to me, man. I like how you mentioned the, um, the adversity part because I'm only 24 at the moment. And if you were to hear half the things that I've been through, you'd probably be like, how in the world are you still here? Uh, but I, I believe in two things. Number one, I was put on this, this earth for a reason and I'm going to persistently work my absolute butt off to help as many people as I possibly can through stories. And I believe that stories are our essence. They are who we are stories make up every single day. They make up people. And if we can connect with someone else's story, with what they've been through, there's that relatability, there's a value there. So if you want to actually, I say to young people, like if you go through adversity, embrace it. Like it's okay. It may hurt for a little bit of time, but at the end of it, it is the best thing you'll ever do or ever go through because in that pain, you learn the best things in life, man. I, I kid you not. Like it, it, it is the, I was, put it into perspective, I was blind for four days uh, with meningitis, meningococcal. And wow. I, it's an amazing thing, right? Because when you can't see, you do a lot of thinking, you do a lot of reflection. And I found who I really was in that moment, but I was so scared of embracing that that I, I pushed, kept pushing it aside, even though I was in a, in a dark spot there. And it wasn't until I hit literal rock bottom last year when everything just fell flat. I lost my dog of 11 years. The relationship that I was in uh, for seven months broke up. I lost my job uh, or I resigned, but I had nothing. I had to sell all my film gear. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then that thought, who are you, Jay? Who are you really? And it took me sitting in front of a CEO of a top recruitment company to ask me one question, why do you want to work here? That really got my brain, hang on a minute. This is what I was asking myself a year ago. And now I'm back here again. And, you know, like I get it. I'm only 24 and I haven't lived a, a, a lifetime of experience. But the thing is, when you go through adversity, like I said before, and like you were saying too, Nathan, embrace it because it could be the best thing that could ever happen to you. Yeah, I agree 110%. Um, so, yeah, something, yeah, I think you just have to want it bad enough, man. Like you really do. Um, so many people come and go, you know, so many people come and go and, you know, I've been doing this for a while now, like building founder and stuff and the amount of people that, you know, I see it right to me or whatever, right? Like, like that. Like I, I was saying to Charlie because um, I don't really do interviews anymore. Like I like it's not it's not really that scalable. Like I'd rather just spend my time on founder, and that's just I feel I can serve more people for for founder, right? A lot of the time, right? And um, he said like, oh, like I said, I was doing this interview with you today, and he said, oh, why are you doing it? And I said, well, first of all, this guy followed up. No one ever follows up. Like when I when I say no, like um, like I don't have time, but feel free to, to reach out to me, you know, whenever if that person is persistent, you're one of the only that that reached back out. And I guess, you know, I, I think a lot of the time, you know, people come, people go and in like the yeah, they're not persistent, they don't want it bad enough. I wanted um when you told me, well when people tell me in general, hey, uh, we don't have time. I don't see it as a no. I see it as not now. Like there's always going to be 
a, a period of time, like I know I'm not big enough. I know I'm not like massive, like what everyone else is because I've only been doing it for like 10 months. But I've been able to see the incredible growth over that period of time because my philosophy, like I keep saying, is that persistence because then I will be consistent and I don't give up. Like if I face a little, little failure and believe me, I keep failing every single day and just trying to figure out, okay, what makes me different compared to everybody else? Because I know there's like over a million other podcasts, businesses out there that are pretty much doing a similar thing. There's another one popping up every single day. It's almost like, well, how am I different? And I think, number one, you're right, I follow up. But also because there's that, I want to help. I, 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 have that, I have that goal in mind and I'm hungry. Like I, I want it bad enough and I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to just give it a go, you know? And because my grandfather used to tell me all the time, he's like, Jay, if you don't ask, you don't get. And then he used to say to me all the time, he's like, don't put off for tomorrow what can be done today. And he's like, if you're going to keep putting things off, you're going to be lazy and nothing's ever going to get done. So make sure that you take the time right now to get things done that, are, that need to be done if you've got the time. So I mean, also real quickly, I apologize. I'm, I'm rambling now, but I'm up at, no one ever sees this, but I'm up at 1, 2 a.m. in the morning responding to emails, sending them out. Like that's hustle. And you've got to be willing to do that. You've got to be willing to sacrifice certain things in order to get somewhere. But no one ever, ever sees that, right? They always see the, the top of the iceberg, so to speak. Um, yeah, I agree, man. Like, um, look, that will pay returns for you, bro, guaranteed, because I've seen it across my own journey. I've seen it across many others. Mm. Sorry, man, I was, I was uh, biting your ear off there. <laughs> but I've got uh, two more questions for you, if you don't mind. Or yep, two more questions. This is a more of a fun one that I love asking people. What is the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? Weirdest food combination I've ever tried? Um, oh, jeez, man. Look, dude, I've got a lot of food allergies, so I'm, um, I, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't eat a lot of like... I don't eat a lot of um, different foods. I've had uh, food allergies my whole life. So you got me again on that one, bro. Um, <laughs> we got a three for three today, man. How good is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got, got no idea. Sorry, bro. I can't, I can't answer that one. Like I, I literally am allergic to dairy, eggs, sesame, nuts, peanut, coconut. Um, like I never had chocolate in my life, ice cream. What? So like – so. Yeah, I've had it my whole life, like allergies. So yeah, man. So like, I, I, I can't, I can't answer that one. Sorry. You poor man. What do you eat, man? I can have like all dairy, uh, all not dairy. Uh, I can have all poultry, fish, um, right? I can have a lot of Chinese food. I can have heaps of food, man. It's just like, yeah, I've had it my whole life, so it's not bad because I just don't know what I'm missing out on, you know? You blew my mind with the you can't have chocolate thing. Far out. <laughs> You are the first person I've ever met in my life that has said they've never had chocolate. Like, must be some. I've never met anybody else, man. Like you're the first person. Oh, man, you need to meet more people, bro. I, I do. <laughs> Far out, man. Well, I guess you're not really missing out on too much still. <laughs> um, dude, this is my last question. This is uh, my legacy question that I love asking people at the end. So your friends have been, your friends have put together a highlight reel of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. And you've been able to reach the age of 100, right? So they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic. But they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that highlight reel of your life to say and to show about it? Uh, basically that he's uh, had a good life. It's been good, like crazy crazy life it's been good um yeah yeah good fulfilled life i love it man good legacy to leave nathan chan thank you so much man for your your story everything that you're putting out there into the world as well i just want to honor you and say 
really appreciate your time and for actually saying yes and for believing in me. Where can people find you and connect with you? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, look, really appreciate the opportunity. Um, always happy to, yeah, help out a fellow Australian uh, chat, talk shop. So, um, yeah, you can find out more at founder.com. Uh, we have a podcast too. Uh, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, just founder.com forward slash podcast. And, uh, yeah, we have tons of like so much content to help you start or grow a business, audio, video, or written content. We're here to help however we can. Thanks so much for coming on the Soybox Podcast. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me, man. I don't like this part because it means, sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Fansom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.